yeah and trust me society tells you that like the hustle culture and like the always on is it's like you feel you feel a bit guilty if you're not doing something like taking i have this whole thing where like self-care is not selfish hi welcome to undefined my first episode I'm Marissa Tashman, your host, and just to introduce myself, I am a lawyer, but I also love spirituality and personal development. For those of you who know me, definitely know that. And this podcast was born out of my own personal development journey, and the goal is to have very candid discussions with my guests about how they shed all of the definitions that society conditions all of us to believe that we have to subscribe to. I'm so excited to share this interview with my friend Sarah, who graciously allowed me to interview her, and I'm so appreciative. She is the founder of The Base Body Co., which is a wellness company that makes adaptogenic powders to help you cope with the stressful realities of our environment, we all know what that's like, and our culture. Sarah was living in London working in the wellness industry until March of 2019, and then she moved back home to Australia and started to work with Chris Hemsworth's company called Center before she took the leap to start her own company, The Base Body Co. I interviewed her a few weeks ago while she was living on her parents' farm in Australia, but she's since moved to Los Angeles, which I'm very happy about. And in our conversation, we talk about being a female founder and overcoming fears of being judged, defining yourself by your work, which I know all too well, daily rituals to stay grounded, being gifted spell books and love potions as a child, and how Sarah learned to increase her intuition and understand her inner voice. I'm so excited to share this with you, and it's my first episode, which I am very excited about, and Sarah is just truly an incredibly intuitive person, very inspiring to me, who's trying to get in touch with my own intuition, and I think she has some magic in her that's sort of witchy, but in the best way possible. I hope you enjoy. How are you doing? I'm good. This time, although it's it's not great for a lot of people in the world, um, I really felt like it's it was something that I needed and I never would have done for myself. And for that, it's like sitting still because I was constantly on the move and I was constantly trying to create momentum and that would be for me movement and travel. So I was constantly like moving and traveling and going everywhere and although I thought I was sitting still and doing a lot of inner work this really shook me up a bit but in the best ways um when you talk about like the work what do you feel like you're specifically working on I thought I was doing I'm saying quotes here the work but really it was all a little bit surface and I never was truly changing anything internally and so for me digging deep and like owning shadows and like just becoming more of my true self um is what I've been really searching for like finding that inner peace that my my true self that doesn't let outside tell me who I need to be yeah, totally. Have you noticed certain things that the outside was telling you that yeah. you might not have even picked up on before, but now that you're, you know, more present with it, they're super in your face, I guess. Yeah, I think it gave me time to reflect on who I had in my life and in my inner circle and um, and kind of like what, what was important for me. Like a, all right probably still am but I'm a big people pleaser so I didn't realize that that was such an issue that me too (laughs) I was like trying to please everybody else but myself and then when I thought about taking time for myself I was like oh I'm gonna make them angry or they're gonna judge me and all of that really came up during quarantine and I really tried really really hard to to take note of that um and also, like I mentioned to you last week, like a lot of shadow stuff came up with with just being like too much, too being 
being here in Australia and having people in LA, I always felt like it was, I was a burden on people like, oh, she's so difficult, but she's Mm -hmm. in Australia. So that's been, yeah, that's been like something that I've had to face. And it's so funny because no one cares. (laughs) (laughs) But you're in your head like, oh, they're going to think this, this, this. No one cares. No, they never think that. Yeah. It's like the perception that other people have of us is so different than what we think about ourselves. Yeah. In London, you could be, you could be staring at someone and they just, like, they want you to read their mind. They will, (laughs) cannot get the words out. I I definitely have some of that in me, but. um, It's like telepathic communication. Yeah. Or like in Harry Potter, you know, when, is it Harry Potter? Yeah, when he stares at, like, a cup and the cup shakes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just, like, staring at the other person, hoping that they understand you. Yeah, and it's like, I I can't understand you. You have to be really clear and just straight up tell me how you feel. But they're so scared. I'm I'm not sure why, but. Yeah, what have you noticed within your own family? Like, what do you think that they're afraid of when they choose not to speak? I'm not sure if they even know it's a fear. I think we're just, we've been, they they have been brought up in that way to not talk about your feelings. Like you don't share things like that. They're not very open um, because I can see it in, in my grandparents uh, and just living in London. It was just everyone was like that way. You could tell when you met an Australian and even Australians don't really come forth with their feelings. Um, so yeah, so I think it's just kind of been, you know, ingrained in them and I'm trying to break, break the cycle within myself because it's something that I really struggled with telling people how I feel. And for me, it was more of a, I don't want to disappoint or I'll be judged or I'll be in trouble for it. Mm -hmm. So I'm just trying to really own that. And how how do you feel like you're trying to break it? By speaking my truth. So if it, if it's in a situation where I feel really, and I'll know it, if I feel really uncomfortable um, about saying something, I'll think about it and go, no, I wrote, that is my truth. I'm, I'm going to speak it and not be afraid to do it. I mean, it's easier said than done sometimes like the, oh my god there's been times when I'm like shaking and my mouth is dry and I'm like I just, <laughs> just do you remember a- any specific times when that's happened I'm thinking back and I like I definitely you know feel the same thing and sometimes I can't even identify what I'm feeling yeah yeah I can relate to that and sometimes I just I just need to get whatever it is off my chest especially with close friends um I mean, with people like my sister, it doesn't happen. It's more like maybe in a relationship, mm-hmm. I would be more fearful of actually saying what I felt. Um, but, yeah, but I've been really intentional about saying this is how I feel and if you're not on board or if you can't acknowledge my feelings, like this is going to be a problem at the end of the day. So, Yeah, so- and it's interesting that there's a difference between family members and non-family members. It's almost like that, that fear of judgment is taken away. Like, you know, that your sister is going to love you. Yeah. I like, I can fully trust her. I could basically say anything to her and she, she wouldn't really care too much. We could always get through it. Um, Whereas if it's someone that I don't know too well, I don't know if I can trust. I don't don't know how they're going to react. That's when, the fear might come up um and also it's come up in in work years of like working for other people I didn't realize it until just recently how I was holding back and and not sharing as much as I should have keeping bosses in the loop and things like that which was really that's so interesting have you like what made you notice that recently um, I was talking to a relatively new friend and I wanted to say something in particular and I was like, oh, I don't know how they're going to react to it. I'm really scared. This could like, I mean, it was so small and it meant nothing, but it was my feelings. And mm-hmm. 
to share it, I felt like, oh, they're just going to be so angry at me or disappointed or they won't talk to me afterwards. I was like, I just have to do it. Because, like, at the end of the day, if they're not going to talk to you for for that, then you don't want them in your life. But um, you have to really be intentional with, with thinking that way. You have to, totally. like, acknowledge it. So... How did how did your friend react when you told her? Oh my god, they didn't they didn't care at all, <laughs> at all. And then as soon as they they came back and they were like, okay, yeah, that's fine. I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh, okay, cool. I can basically like really take ownership of this and tell everyone how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> that's so great though, because you can remember that instance in future interactions. Yeah, because no doubt it'll come up again. Definitely. I mean. I thought, I thought, cause it was so, I probably had three different conversations. The first one was what I was trying to say, but it just wasn't coming out right. And I think because I was so, I was so fearful. The second one, I tried to do it again. It came out a little bit better. And by the third time I'd finally got it and it was like nice and clear. So I'm sure, you know, I'm sure it's going to come up in the future and in some way with the other people. Totally. How has it come up with work? Like, I'm thinking specifically, I know that you started your own company and I'd love to hear more about that also and just how that's come up with yourself just as a founder. Yeah. Do you know, early days, this came up quite a bit because opportunities would come at me and I was so excited to have an opportunity, but I needed, I didn't really think about the benefit of the company it was more it was more personal it was like oh my god if I say no to this like nothing's going to come back up from them I don't I don't want to offend them Mm. um so yeah this this would come up a lot and you know I would avoid emails I would I would (laughs) I'll put that to the side I wouldn't I wouldn't intentionally do it but I could tell subconsciously I was avoiding it and I'd do anything but reply to that email and because now, you were worried about the other person's reaction to your response. Yeah. Yep. And and now I know that feeling that comes up when I'm when I'm avoiding it. So I really just I go for it and reply and think about the benefit of the company, not me. Because when you start a company, it it's just you. And I think it's so personal and you take it so personally so it's feels like a a rejection on yourself or it feels you know but really in in reality it's a it's a business you're running a business at the end of the day and you want it to succeed and you want it to make money so I I switched my mindset to to be less attached to it that was one of the other things I wanted to talk to you about is just how like defining yourself by your work And I've done this even though I don't own and I haven't started a company, but it's, you know, I'm a lawyer and I say like, I am, you know, rather than, I don't know what the alternative would be, rather than I practice law or something. It's like something that defines me. So I'd love to hear just how you separated that because I know it's even harder when you have your own company. Yeah, I think the company... um started anyway very very much about me and it was a problem that I had that I wanted to share and I wanted to help people so it is I am really defined by it and I live and breathe it like everything that I share with people is me and my life I think as the company grows and maybe more people come on board and it becomes a little bit more of a company than a um, just just me kind of running it with a couple of other people. Um, it might it's still a company. Yeah, it, <laughs> it might be very different, but right now, just right. because I'm so close to it and I'm doing majority of the work, mm-hmm. it is very much me and my life. Um, so yeah, so I do, yeah, but I don't mind it. I'm I mean, like I said, that I started the company for my problem and wanting to share it. So I don't mind that. Um, What motivated you to start it? And can you just describe just what it is? I know what it is, but I know that everybody listening doesn't know what it is. And I think it's awesome. Thank you. Uh, Yeah. So it's a wellness company and we have wellness powders. Um, The first one 
that we launched is Super Zen. The second one that's coming out very soon, which I could, I could probably talk about now, um, is an inner beauty product. And I started the company, I actually started the concept of the brand, oh my God, like seven years ago. I was looking back at an old um, sort of like plan that I had written out, a business plan, and it really isn't too dissimilar from back in 2016 when I was like writing out my dream about what this brand would look like and, and oh, feel wow. like. And yeah, but the product, I had no idea what product I would be creating. And right. over, so, I ha- so I would create mood boards and I would be like, this is what the company is going to stand for and this is what it's going to do. But I, would, I just didn't know the product and how the two could come together. And then as I evolved, it creatively evolved as well. And then the wellness powders were top of mind probably two years ago and I wanted to, to do it but I didn't know where to start or how to start it. It seemed very overwhelming and daunting and I was like, who do I approach for this? Like, Where do I even start? But I knew I wanted to do it. So when I came back, I was living in London during this that whole time for six years. And, and you I were went, working also. Yeah. So I was working for, I started working for a health food chef. Um, she was an influencer, I guess. And she, her stance was um, alkaline food, the 80-20 rule. So I was loving that, living and breathing wellness every day at work but then I would leave the office which it was a beautiful office I would leave it get on the train it would be cold it was <laughs> it was this like gloomy <laughs> it was a strange world that I was living in where I was like trying to find balance with mm-hmm. all velocity and the, the full life that I was living in London with the like, going to the pub which is just so normal and right. trying to like still keep that bit of Australia that I had inside of me, which was being at the beach all the time and the sunshine, you know, so similar to California. Yeah. And I was, yeah, I was trying to balance the two and, um, I'm very sensitive and big cities like that really stress me out. And I was just dealing with so much stress and then a box of adaptogens came to my desk when I was Mm -hmm. working. Atash and uh she was like you can have them I was like wow what are adaptogens so I started the universe put them in front of you yeah I mean it was I felt like it was you know very fate-like and I was like oh my god what are adaptogens these are amazing and I was already plant-based anyway um mm-hmm. really eat too much meat if I did it was fish and I was re- living a really healthy life in, in that aspect, but then I would leave the office and I'd be influenced by friends and like, what, what else do you do in London other than, like, go to the pub or... Yeah, drink. Yeah, and I really struggled with that. Um, so I started using adaptogens, and then I was like, I want to put these into, a, a like, a protein bar of some sort that people can just, like, grab on the go. So... When I came Did back to you it, notice the effect that they had on you right away? Massively. I I noticed it, but it felt like a bit of um I felt like a bit of a band-aid. Um in the respect mm-hmm. like it really helped me during that time there to get right. me through it. But I needed to make lifestyle changes at the mm-hmm. end of the day. Like that that could only go on for so long. Um and it was really just about your environment. Yeah. I really needed to change that. I needed to change the late night drinking and the amount of like takeaway that I was getting. Although I thought it was like healthy stuff, it just, it didn't feel right to me. I'm very much, I love to cook from scratch. I love nature and space. So this was all just like very uncomfortable for me. Um, But like London's such a great city and I had such a great time and amazing memories but I did need to make an environment change and lifestyle change yeah so so yeah I came home and I had a job lined up uh, with Chris Hemsworth for the his fitness app center oh cool yeah and I was working on that but my gut was like I'm gonna do I'm gonna do this company on the side 
and yeah, and I'm that's the way that I'm going to do it. But then I started doing to be magnetic <laughs> and digging, <laughs> digging deep, and I was like, no, I'm just going to do this full time. I have to. That's awesome. Yeah, if I didn't do it full time, I never. If I didn't jump in in the deep end, I just never would have got it off the ground. I always yeah. would have one foot in. Yeah, and then you also would have just been hustling the whole time, which wouldn't have matched with the lifestyle that you were trying to align yourself with. Yeah, exactly. Like you would have been working, you know, every single night on the weekend, basically whenever you weren't working at your full-time job. Yeah, and then I found when I was at work, I was so distracted and thinking about this and thinking about everything else but work. Mm -hmm. I needed to do it, not just for myself, just for them. It wasn't fair on them that I was not invested in in growing such an incredible brand for them. It was, um, yeah, my mind was just always on this this business and what it was going to be. And then it all just, as soon as I decided I'm leaving, it all just aligned for me. The product came together. I was meeting the right people. I had to, yeah. No, go ahead. So I had to make some sacrifices, but I think they're different to the sacrifices that you think society tells you that you need to make as an entrepreneur, which is like working the the 16-hour days and long nights. It was was more that I couldn't see friends as much. Um, Instead of going out and having cocktails with girls, it would be like I'm at home, you know, working – um, and then, yeah, eventually I had to like make the decision to come and stay with my family while then trying to line up with LA. Have living with your parents brought up other things too? Yeah. I mean, we've, we've spoken about this. Time, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Because the last time that I was here was when I was like 18, 19 and then right. I moved away. So I haven't, I haven't had to live at home and it's, it's funny because it was such a, um, like I had such shame around it. Like, Oh my God, I'm in my thirties and I live with my parents at the moment, but everyone's in the same situation at the moment. Some are leaving their, their homes to go live with family. So yeah. So I really like owned that, but, um, yeah, definitely like, I feel like, like I said, you slipping back into being a teenager again sometimes and you have to be really aware of that and set boundaries and try and keep your independence. That's been the one thing because I've been so independent for so many mm-hmm. years and just doing whatever I want, when I want. I, I now have to, you know, I have to tell people where I'm going, what I'm doing. Right. I know that's been hard for me too. And then obviously being in quarantine adds another layer because we can't really go anywhere. Yeah. So you're at home all the time. Right. It's interesting doing some of the shadow work at the home that you grow up in. Like right now I'm working through the book, The Dark Side of Light Chasers. Same. Which, oh, are you? Yeah. Yeah, So I'm up to up to chapter four. And one thing that was really interesting is paying attention to things that trigger me and or trigger me or bother me, however you want to say it, and realizing that those are all just a projection of something within myself that I've suppressed. Mm. And I've been keeping a list on my phone of different things, and some are just really tiny things that happen. But I feel like it's like new things have come up and I've been, I've trying to, I've been trying to be very, very intentional about noticing when things bother me and then trying to identify like the specific characteristic, if that makes sense. Yeah. But it's interesting doing that at home and around my family, because I think it's very easy to be triggered by members of our family. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like the perfect time to be doing all of this. Yeah, I agree. I think this, so I was doing, same as you, I did Lacey's, um, a few things came up. 
I did that like last year. This year I wanted to do it again, but started to read this book instead because also I thought this this went deeper. Um, and then I also did kinesiology, which I'm not sure if you have in the States, but. I, we do, but I've never done it. And I'd love for you to explain exactly what it is. I think it's like, I swear by it, especially if I only go, if I have something that I can't kind of crack myself where Mm -hmm. it's, it feels like it's overwhelming or it's a really big problem that I just can't get to the root of. Um, so basically you go in, I have, I go to this one particular girl who I feel really connected with and, you know, we just have really great open conversations and you just talk through what you think your problem is or what you want to get to the the bottom of. And it usually is something totally different. Like I always go in with the attention of one thing and it ends up being something totally different. (laughs) And then you lay on the bed and she'll go through and muscle test you and then she'll she'll talk as you're doing it, so you so she can get a, a gauge of like where where it's still where the the block is stored, right? Um, and then she'll do I don't know if it's a reiki, but she'll do like a, a a mixture of like tapping and reiki, and then we'll talk it through. And you look similar to this work. You'll know when you hit something because you'll get such a reaction, like. Oh, wow. You'll like either cry or like you'll get some emotional release of some sort. And, and then I feel like when I leave, she gives you affirmations and some, some homework to do, but it just feels like you've done like a month's worth of work in one hour. Wow. That's so powerful. Yeah, it really is. What was the biggest shift that, I don't know if shift is the right word. Like what was the biggest moment that you had when you were doing it? So I started doing it when I was about to actually launch the company and I knew I had hesitation around it and I kept seeing um, kinesiology pop up everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I think I need to do this. I think I need to just go and see someone because it keeps coming to me. So I went and met her and I said, I'm not really sure why I'm here. I mean, I've probably got a lot of stuff that I need to work through, but right now this is what's happening in my life. I'm trying to launch a company and I can't press the publish button. (laughs) (laughs) I I was using every excuse possible to not launch it. I was, I was hesitant. And when we worked through it, it was because I was really scared of putting it out to the world in case I was judged. And Mm -hmm. that makes sense because it is so personal to me. And it's a body, totally. yeah. It's a body of work that you're sharing with people, and if it wasn't received the way that I thought it would be, you know, that would break my heart. But thankfully, it was. And from then on, I've just I've been at least every. I think you're meant to go every six weeks. I definitely go six to eight weeks. That's so awesome, and that you physically felt that release. Yeah, every single time. Every time I go in, wow. like the same, the same situation. So now I go in with tissues and like, okay, I'm ready to just, whatever's <laughs> going to come up will come up. <laughs> and something will always come up, which is, I mean, it it's a lifelong process, you know? Yeah, definitely. I, I think but there's always something there. Always. There's a, yeah. Even, like I said, even if you go in with thinking, this is, this is what my problem is. And then we'll just talk a little bit. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> that, that makes sense that I'm thinking this but really it's that it's so easy to not listen to you to have that disconnect I tend to get really heady and think things and every time I go into one of those sessions she says every single time like you need to ground yourself to get does she do an exercise with you to ground yourself yeah and then she gives me tools as well and says like go in nature go barefoot listening to a grounding meditation or have a bath with, with bath salts. Um, mm-hmm. I try and do these things when I know that I'm getting to in my head and I need to listen to my body more because it's so like you get that gut feeling and you're like, Oh, I'm thinking I'm feeling this and you just don't know. And I think the grounding meditations or just a, a grounding exercise 
really helps what, you know, to train. What do you do when you're in a moment and you're feeling like you need to ground yourself, but you can't do a meditation or take a bath or walk in nature? Like you're in a meeting and you feel like you need to ground yourself. What would you do in that moment? Yeah, that's interesting. That, um, <laughs> that's I, what I struggle with the most. Yeah. I mean, I have, thankfully haven't really been in those situations, but I can imagine in law that would, that would be, you'd be, there'd be moments when you're triggered and yeah, I would probably just try and take a moment, let someone else, I don't I, it depends on the situation, but I would probably let someone else take the lead for a minute and just breathe and visualize you know how they they tell you to visualize the energy going gold gold light going from your head through through to your feet into the ground totally I try and do that and just breathe because I used to prior to all of this kind of inner work stuff I used to um I used to get anxiety like I had panic attacks when I was younger Mm -hmm. and it was weird I had I would have panic attacks if I was told to take pharmaceutical drugs like if I had to take oh wow yeah just I didn't want to put it in my body I didn't I like antibiotics or anything like that anything I for some reason thought I had a really bad reaction when I was a baby and I thought Mm -hmm. um and then as I was in my teens as well I thought I would have an out-of-body I wouldn't be able to control myself Oh, wow. So whenever I would be told to take something, I mean, even down to like paracetamol, I would freak out. So I would. What is that? It's like, um, what, what would it be in America? Like, like penicillin? N- no, more like a Tylenol. Oh, like Tylenol or Advil. Yeah. Yeah. Advil. Okay. Um, yeah. So I would freak out. And I, like, I remember one time I was like, crying because I just didn't want to take it and my boyfriend at the time was like what's wrong with you I was like I just don't want to take it I just don't want to put it in my body um so I would do breathing so I would like box breathe or just like hold my breath and count to six and then release and then it would just like get you back especially when you you're in those like really bad panic attacks yeah definitely I've experienced that also What would you do when you were younger? Like, I guess a better question is when did you realize that breathing helped? Because I'm sure that when you were seven years old, you weren't like, oh, let me do a breathing exercise. No, do you know, (laughs) so many crazy stories that like I would, so so when I would have, when I was younger and I would have reactions to things like, um, I mean, I have this crazy story where I was, with a group of friends we were on a boat in on the coast of between Costa Rica and Panama and I took seasick tablets and had a really really bad reaction when my tongue oh wow your tongue what my tongue swelled up so wow Could, could you breathe I could breathe and I don't know intuitively I knew it was going to go away and it wasn't it wasn't as bad as I thought it was but like I was freaking out. How old were you? Nineteen. Oh wow! So it, my my mind was like, oh my god, I need my parents. But I was like, it's okay. I'm in the middle of nowhere. Like I'm in the ocean. I just need to like get through. And intuitively, I listened to to music to take my mind off of it. I didn't even. No one told me how to do that. I just was like, that will distract me. That will take oh, wow. my mind off of what's happening until this passes and and all will be well but um on land I would take myself off to the doctor and then the doctor one time was like okay you need to do breathing whenever this comes up because you're not actually in any harm you're just your your mind is is telling you telling you that you are and if you just do these breathing exercises you'll be better I noticed that on your website, you have links to playlists. Yes. I'm so big on calming music. It, like, how do you, how do you use it today? Or just generally, you know, in your life today? Yeah. So I think I, I've always, ever since I was a kid, really been into music and 
I, I think like the, there obviously there is a massive link to um, like they have sound therapy and, and that kind of thing. And I just don't think it's utilized enough where there is like great med, uh, there is a meditation app. I think it's called wave, which is really good where they have like modern music. Oh, cool. Yeah. And they do like a whole experience. It's called like a, a meditation experience. But um, I like to use it for instead of the traditional meditation type music that you would get or, or guided mm-hmm. meditations, I sometimes just like to listen to like chilled out, calming music. And for me, I'll do it when I'm going for a walk in nature. And that's kind of my meditation in a way to just like um, slip into like a, a theater state. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. And I love how you've felt comfortable to view that as a meditation, because I think nowadays we're fed this narrative that meditation equates to, you know, sitting cross-legged with your hands on your knees, like focusing on your breath or whatever it is. Yeah. But there's so many different forms of it. Absolutely. And I think listening to people say, I can't meditate, I I have spoken to numerous people where they're like, I just can't meditate. I can't switch my brain off. And I don't mind meditation in that way where you're laying there and you, you you listen to the music and you do like a visualization or whatever. But for me, I would do this. I would go for the walk in nature with my music. And I was like, well, if I'm doing it, other people would benefit from this. And even if just, five people benefit from it it's it's you know worth putting out there totally I love it I'm gonna try it good um you've talked so much about different moments in your life where you've been so intentional about listening to your own inner voice how did you learn what that inner voice even sounded like for me it has always been a gut feeling I, it's like this, it's like a gut feeling where I just, it's a knowing. And I think everyone has a, um, like a different way of, of listening to themselves. Um, but yeah, for me, that has always been the way ever since I was a kid. I mean, my family is pretty spiritual anyway. And I was like, as a really small child, I was gifted like all sorts of I said like witchy type stuff like like what spell books as a kid and oh that's amazing yeah and crystals and like I remember being eight years old and getting crystals and love potions and things like that as a kid which I loved yeah that's so cool what would what did your parents do that made them so open to that my mom is actually quite bohemian she's like free-spirited she um She's always like, I'm so much like her in that way. She's always traveled. She's lived a million different lives. And she definitely influenced that. She was always the one, you know, pushing for it. We would go into stores that would have incense and crystals and all of that kind of stuff Um, and, like, angel cards and, like, spirits, and she fully embraced that. So it made it. I could know just just so comfortable for us to embrace it to me and my sisters. So it just so cool. Yeah, we just grew up in a house where that was very normal. Which is has your dad embraced it too? (laughs) Yeah, I think (laughs) my dad is like, yeah, sure. There's like there's a ghost in the other room, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) But mum would tell us ghost stories from back in London when we were kids and it just made it so normal that if there was like a feeling in the house or, or like you felt like something like a spirit was there, it was so normal to talk about that stuff. Um, Were you ever afraid of it? Never. And still, I'm still not afraid of it. My sister is definitely like way more um, connected to that sort of thing. Like she'll have dreams, she'll have visions and she doesn't like it. She'll, Oh, she doesn't like it. No, yeah, she protects herself. She's like, I don't want that. I don't want to be talking to anyone. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah. But um, I wonder why. 
I think it's too much. She's really, really sensitive and yeah. it's too much for her. So whereas I'm quite strong and I don't not a lot tends to scare me in, in that respect. So I'm I embrace it. I'm like, sure, what do you like what is what does this person wanna communicate to me or have you felt like you have connected to spirits before? So the actually the room that I stay in at my parents' house, the years we thought was haunted and anyone any single person even if you weren't really like spiritual or believed in in the afterlife would go into that room and be like such a weird feeling in that room oh wow yeah and then when I came back I remember I was listening to some meditation music without earphones in um and I just had this like overwhelming feeling of turning music off it was just like not a nice feeling. It was turn that off, whatever it is, turn it off. And I turned it off and I was like, something something just doesn't feel right in this room and I didn't like it. So we did a full sage clearing of it. Oh, wow. <laughs> we did it about three times and then by that third time it, it felt like a nice calming space to be in and now I just don't sense it. But, yeah, there was a time there. Yeah, I wonder, I don't even know if this is possible to describe what that feeling was. It just feels like a a, a presence. Like, it's like, like when you're in a room with someone, you can tell they're behind you, even if you haven't, or they're coming into the room and you just haven't, um, you haven't seen them. That, right. That's the kind of feeling you walk into a room and you can just feel like something is in there. It's just, it's like energy, like. I love that analogy and I never have even thought about it like that yeah because I think I've been in situations where I can just sense someone's coming up behind me again definitely yeah so yeah that yeah totally that's like that's such a great way to illustrate it yeah that's what it feels like I'm thankful that it's not there anymore (laughs) the saging worked finally (laughs) (laughs) so how have you taken that and then learned how to tune into your own inner voice. Yeah, sorry, that's what that's what we were talking about. Um, so yeah, so I've always just kind of like been in tune with like angels and you know spoken to psychics and all of that. Been very very spiritual. And when I first decided to move overseas, I was eighteen, and I remember thinking like this is a really big jump. This is kind of scary. I was going with a boyfriend at the time. So I, you know, I did feel really safe and it was going to be fun and what an adventure, but I just had this pull inside of me and it was like, just do it, just do it. And it's been the same knowing in that. That's the time that I can like truly remember feeling like I, I heard it. And then every time after that, when I've gone to make a decision, it's that same feeling so I know it's never steered me wrong in the past. That's that's the good feeling. That's the good gut feeling. Have you ever felt that feeling and not listened to it? Yeah, but then it always comes back up. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I could push it down and just um, and put it to the side, but it'll come back up months later. And then when it's, it's just so strong with me that I know I need to do it. Yeah. What was your most recent experience with that? The going to LA situation um, last year. I'd always, since I was 16, wanted to live in LA. Mm -hmm. I can't even explain why, but that's where I wanted to be. Yeah, I'd love to know why. (laughs) Same, same. But I just, I I had a pull there. I'm so happy there. I feel like I'm really in tune with myself when I'm there and just being there by myself I'm so happy and I think if you can be there by yourself that happy then imagine what it you know what it would be like totally life there and yeah and I wanted to do that and for years I would go and visit and I was like I just don't know how I'm gonna live there and last year when I started the company around about the same time I was like I'm just gonna go over for a few months and and see how I can get this started because it's something I really want to do. And I was 
umming and ahhing about it. I was like, do I go? Don't I go? I don't know. I was asking everyone but myself. And then, mm-hmm. of course, yeah. And then I sat with myself and really tried to get clarity on it a few times. And I was like, yeah, every time it just, I get such a good feeling to jump off the cliff. So I did. And then you did. And then I did. <laughs> and now you're going to be back soon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever felt like you've neglected the inner voice out of fear of disappointing somebody else? Yeah, but I think they've. it hasn't been such a big, um, a big situation like moving somewhere. It's right. more of a, my gut feels like I shouldn't go out tonight or it sh- I shouldn't go and meet them, but I do because I don't want to let them down or I shouldn't say a certain thing, but my, my truth is like, you really should be telling them how you feel. Right. How do you use this in dating? Asking for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> like listening to like, do you mean in the respect of you just don't. Yeah. Like listening to your inner voice or whatever you want to call it. When you, when you have a feeling that something either is right or not right, or that you should say something or not say something. But then at the same time, you're worried about being liked or being loved, being desired, all of those things that our ego wants. Oh, yeah. I mean, for years, I think, like, this is this is lacy stuff, like tapping on the test, right? It's do you jump into the fire of the things that you, because you, you, you want to be liked and desired and like you, you want it to work out, but maybe your gut's telling you this isn't right. You're not necessarily being treated the way you should be, or this isn't the right fit for you, but we just keep, we keep going anyway. Um, Right. I think as I've gotten older, I've gotten more in tune with what I want and end goals and anyone that comes in, I'm just so content with myself that anyone that comes in that isn't, perfect for me I pretty early on let them go I mean there's been some some tests that or just the shiny carrots that I've been like oh are they should I I don't know is this going to work out and you keep going but ultimately I think you do know deep down you know when you're not getting right one from that person what you need yeah and the more clarity you have on what you want and also what you don't want too yeah and I think people criticize the the list type thing like I have a list of things that I want from someone non non-negotiables whatever you want to call it um right but and you have to compromise and I don't think you do I think when you get to a really good place where you're happy by yourself that you don't need to seek it externally from someone else where you're just you're looking for that person to share a life with instead of them fulfilling something in you that when you might let go of the um so like the test kind of needing to walk into the fire does that make sense yeah totally and that's such an important point is feeling so comfortable with yourself in a sense you'd rather just be alone than be with the wrong person yeah and have to compromise the things that you want exactly because I find that if I've ever been in a situation where I've compromised, they've always held me back. And I'm not right. it's their fault. It's it's just you're two people that don't you're not you're not perfect for each other. And I think when you're right for each other, it you should uplift each other and you should be moving in forward momentum. Whereas sometimes in my experience I've stood still or gone backwards. Um, but you know, lessons learned and were you in a relationship when you started your company? No, I wasn't. Um, thankfully, because that <laughs> that was it's, it's a lot to sacrifice. Like you have to give a lot of time to this, and I don't think I could have given the best version of myself when I launched this because I was just so engrossed in it and just like living and breathing, and and I was also just going through like a really big transition um still still getting to know myself really 
Yeah, totally. And that's a lifelong process, as you know. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What practices or rituals do you use day to day to stay true to yourself? I definitely. Or to to ground yourself too. And I know that that's part of it. Yeah, I definitely, um, I'm a big morning and evening ritual person. And then anything that happens through the day. I just I'm not so rigid about it's like I have a loose a loose plan and you know things come come up but the the mornings for me I have to do a walk outside it doesn't matter where I am I have to just like get some fresh air get moving do you listen to music yeah and then I listen to music so I'll listen to my like this morning I went for a little bit of a walk and I listened to some calming music from our my company's playlist nice and it always just like I don't know it just like calms me down it grounds me puts me in my body so I can go into a situation without having a million things in my head and then um I have a coffee and a green green smoothie that's my every day without fail that's what I would do in the morning and then in the evening, I like to be really, really intentional with the um, sort of more like the self-care in terms of like doing my skincare routine and having a nice shower. And then like I might journal before I go to bed just if I've got a lot of thoughts going on that I do a bit of a words to paper kind of like bullet. Like stream of consciousness writing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I find really, really helpful. And then I'll do a to-do list for the, for the next morning so I can just jump into it and not think because I tend to get a bit of um, decision fatigue. And if I know what I'm doing, then, and that like all, all of the, like if I have to get up in the morning and I've got a million things that I need to think about and write my to-do list, it's just overwhelming. And I'll probably get distracted and like go on Instagram or something. So if I've got my to-do list, I know I can just hit the ground running. That's so helpful. Whenever I've done that, it's extremely helpful. Yeah. What about you? Do you have any? Yeah. So in the morning, I usually wake up, do a meditation. Sometimes I journal. I've been trying to journal more in the morning, just like a stream of consciousness writing where I'll write like a page in my journal. And then I move my body. So sometimes that's a walk outside. But then after I move, I usually take a shower and then I'll make a coffee and kind of just get started with my day. And then in the evening, I have my skincare routine, which I religiously do and have done for for years. It's like so calming. I usually have a cup of tea and I read before bed. Yeah. God, I wish I could read before bed. I'm, I have, I have a couple of books on my nightstand that I just, I don't get to because I think I would, I don't know. I'm more of a listener. I prefer to like listen like a audible or something as, a, as opposed to actually. I do that when I'm driving. I love that. That's, I do that. Too. Yeah. Audible or podcast. It's so great. Yeah. I lo- and sometimes when I'm walking. Yeah, same. I like to make use of my, what you would call in between time, like the driving or the traveling. I love, I love to like make use of that and be productive. Totally. On that point, I've been struggling with like unproductive time because I feel like I need more unproductive time in my life where I'm yeah. not trying to be productive. Yeah. I can't, I can't. It's so hard. It It is because you, I think as someone, as, as a lawyer, you probably are quite ambitious and you, you feel like you probably need to be doing something all the time. Right. And you too, as a business owner. Yeah. And trust me, society tells you that like the hustle culture and like the always on is. Oh my God. It's like, you feel, you feel a bit guilty if you're not doing something like taking, I have this whole thing where like self-care is not selfish it is if you can just 
take the time to do whatever feels good for you, whether that's like watching Netflix or reading a book or having that downtime, you will feel so much better and you'll be far more productive in doing the work or projects or whatever it is that you're doing. Um, Right. You'll be able to fully show up. Yeah. But we're told that we need to be working, you know, this full-time job and then a side hustle, or you need to be always on for like 14 hours. And it's just, it's it's too much screen time. It's not good for you. I know. And And isn't it so ironic that we justify the downtime and the time watching Netflix or quote unquote unproductive time by saying it will make us more productive during the times we have to work? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think you are, I I was always told as a kid, whenever I was tired, like, I want to have a nap. My mom fully embraced that. She was always like, go have a nap in the middle of the day. That's so great. Yeah. And I am so grateful for that because I'm not too hard on myself. And if I'm not feeling it, um, like say I'm, I'm having a bad day at work, but I need to get work done. I know to just get the work that I need done, done. And then I'll take the rest of the day off. Like to me, that's, that's balance. It is sometimes working 12 hours in a day to get a project done. And then other times just going to, you know what, I'm going to take the day off and go have a lunch and just like go talk to my friends or whatever that might be. But it's take, it's definitely taken a bit of time to get comfortable in that. And what you were saying about how your mom was always supportive of you taking a nap in the middle of the day, it reminded me of Glennon Doyle's Untamed. Did you read it? I did. Loved it. When she was talking about how when Abby was just laying, would like lay on the couch and watch TV, she would get really, really anxious and go around her house and like loudly clean everything. Yeah. And then she had this big realization that it was because her mom would get mad if she was just laying on the couch and watching TV, like after school. And so then when she was a kid, she would get up and pretend like she was being productive and doing something. Yeah. So play is such a good book. Um, it's so good. Yeah. I can, yeah, I can definitely, definitely relate to that. I, I think mine definitely didn't come from my family. It came from society like that as a, as a female entrepreneur, the Instagram side hustle type thing like that was pushed at me constantly. And I was like, okay, I need to like be constantly working until one day I was like, no, I don't, I'm not productive. Do you know, it was when I did the human design with, I did a Jen, Genizo, um, human design type reading and realized oh, that cool. was a projector and it made so much sense to me. I was like, it's like working three hours a day, right? Yeah. Isn't that the magic number? Exactly. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. But it's not working just three hours a day. It's like putting energy out for three hours a day. Right. And the remainder is getting, doing something that brings energy in that fuels you Interesting. Yeah. Sort of on the point we were just talking about, as a female founder, do you feel like there are added pressures for women in business on the point of you know, having to constantly hustle? Yeah. So I think, I mean, I'm really grateful to be living in an age where female founders are so supportive and there's so many uh, female industry leaders to look up to. Um, I think where I found it most challenging was finding a support network and mentor because there is this, um, there is this like, you know, the four hour, was it the four hour work week and right. Tim Ferriss and all of was that. Tim Ferriss, yeah. Yeah, all of those kinds of things that are pushed at you in, in as an entrepreneur, but there was nothing specific for females that really resonated with me. And I I just I wasn't so aggressive like they were, the the more male focused um, entrepreneur, like networking totally things like that and I was like I just I can't relate to that I'm not I'm not that masculine go get him especially as a projector I'm like I'm not just going to go and approach um a bunch of people for sales like it just doesn't feel right to me 
Mm-hmm. So I really did struggle with that early on. But thankfully have like found my own really great network. I have a, an amazing female mentor who is like very heart-centered and, and spiritual and we connect um, so well. And then I think like there's a couple of communities that I'm involved in um, in LA, like Create and Cultivate, which is so, so, so supportive of female leaders and being able to, to be around all of them and listen to their story and how they're navigating it, it feels like you're more of a community, um, more of a movement than just like an individual female entrepreneur that's in with the lions. Yeah, totally. And it's so important to have that mentorship too. I know that I've struggled with finding that in the law. Yeah. Yeah. I think mentor is mentorship is so important. It, it's something that's thrown around and I never really took it too seriously because I always have this mentality mentality of like, I can do it. It, I don't need help, but there is no shame in asking for help and you're only going to excel and get to where you want to get to when you ask for help from other people. Don't be afraid to do that and learn from their lessons. Yeah, definitely. It took a while for, for me to find one. It, I approached like a bunch of different people and they never, they never, it was a bit flaky. Then I've got back to me, some of them. And then this one just, um, it all just aligned and yeah, I'm I'm so grateful for it. It's helped in so many ways. That's awesome. So cool. Um, okay. So before we end, I have some quick fire questions. Mm-hmm. So just some quick questions where, you know, the first thing that pops into your mind would be the best answer. <laughs> Are you <Good> ready? <laughs> I know I'm hyping it up so much. It's not really that exciting. <laughs> what book are you reading right now or listening to? Uh, Dark Side of the Light Chasers. Nice. Me too. Yeah. What was the last meal you had? Oh, last night I made... Um, it's a, a Greek lemon chicken soup. Yum. Yeah, it was. It was surprisingly delicious. I was like, lemon chicken soup sounds weird, but um, yeah, with orzo. And it was from the Center Fit app, actually. So that sounds healthy. so good. Yeah, it was. <laughs> awesome. When you imagine your quote unquote happy place, where is it? What do you imagine? The beach. The beach? Is it like a sunny day? It's I'm at the beach, <laughs> sunny day. It's yeah. I, I want me, the full picture. Yeah, me, the beach, the sun. Usually some music, maybe even a book. You know what? I might, I might have a book down there. Um, but just feeling the sun, the the warm sun on my skin. I'm not a. I don't do well in the cold. <laughs> <laughs> I know the warm sun with warm sand. Yeah. Is just totally enveloping. Yeah. I love it. If you could speak to yourself 15 years ago with the knowledge you have now, what would you say? Ooh, I would say it's all going to work out. Don't be, don't be scared and follow your heart, jump off the cliffs. I love that. That's so great. Um, and then lastly, if you have any other recommendations, books, podcasts, movies, or if there's anything else you f- want to say, you know, yeah. now's your time. Resources. Um, and where can we find you also? Yeah. Okay. So you can find me at thebasebodyco.com, uh, Instagram, thebasebodyco, and Facebook, and resources do you know for like I said create and cultivate great for female entrepreneurs who um who want to get something started it's they have a digital platform loads of resources um as we've spoken before we both be uh, we both do to be magnetic which I think has been so pivotal in my life um how I built this podcast I love that podcast same. I think that that I would listen to that on the train in London and it would really motivate me every single time I would listen to it. I'm like, oh, totally. I just want to 
like work on my business now. Well, thank you so much again. This was so great and I loved it. Me too. And I really want to visit the haunted room. Although I know it's saged, but (laughs) when I come to Australia. Yeah. And I mean, we've touched on the kangaroo thing. We have kangaroo, um, a kangaroo sanctuary, not too far. Oh, I love kangaroos, as you know. I know. (laughs) I'm so happy I was able to share that conversation with you all. Sarah and I have only known each other for about six months, but she's so open and easy to talk to. I sort of feel like she has a sixth sense, like in a witchy nature, which feels super powerful, at least to me in our conversation. I also want to thank Spencer Stewart for creating the beautiful atmospheric music for this podcast and Maytov Coder for setting all of that up. And to everyone listening, to hear all of the latest podcast updates, subscribe to the podcast or just go to undefinedpodcast.com and I think I'll be coming out with an episode every couple of weeks. It also is super helpful if you reviewed the podcast on iTunes. I would really appreciate that. And thank you all so much for listening. You'll hear from me soon.